Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Before we get to our special guest here, Paul Blake Smith, our co-host Tim Swartz and I want to talk about another death that kind of impacts the UFO field. That was the famed special effects artist Douglas Trumbull, who died, what, a few days ago? Yeah. And of course, we all know, of course, that he was the special effects artist for 2001. But it wasn't just 2001 that he worked on. He did a number of other films that we all remember. And they included Star Trek, the motion picture. Okay. He also was a special effects artist for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, special photographic effects, Blade Runner. This guy had quite... A history, also the Andromeda strain. And here's a weird story, and it almost becomes conspiratorial. He quit the business back in the 1980s. And this is what he said, since we're getting into some conspiracies here today. I had to personally make a life decision many years ago when Natalie Wood died under very suspicious circumstances during the making of Brainstorm. I just had to stop. Isn't that weird? It is. It is weird. You know, and then later on, he went on to develop electronic equipment for uh, UFO investigations. Final segment of his life, he was a UFO researcher. Well, not the only famous Hollywood personality to be involved in UFOs. Robert Weiss, the director of such films as... Star Trek, the motion picture, the sound of music, and the original, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Also was interested in UFOs. And as I recall, he may have seen one. Is that correct, Tim? Oh, boy. That I'm not sure about. I'll have to uh, check my files on that one. In any case, Paul Smith, welcome to the Paracast. Yeah, I know you've been on the air with Tim Swartz, but with our show, you're a neophyte. That's right. How dare you? Well, (laughs) that's me all over today. Thanks for having me on. Okay, that's how it goes. Okay, seriously here, you have several books out that we want to cover. And one is about, and we'll get to the one about President Eisenhower's Close Encounters later on, but MO41 or MO41. Now that's what? A possible UFO crash in 1941? Right, in my own hometown of Cape Girardeau, Missouri, in late April of 1941. Okay, where do we get information about this? Is this something reported in the newspapers or what? This began popping up on the airwaves after a member of a Christian minister's family spoke up and said, Grandfather talked about this and we don't want this story to die out. She released the information in the 90s. It appeared briefly in an obscure book by... uh, Leonard Stringfield and then uh, Linda Moulton Howe and Art Bell picked up the story and Stanton Friedman came to Cape Girardeau and they investigated and researched it, but they didn't produce any books. So uh, like about 15 years later, I'm thinking, where's the book on this? I got tired of waiting, so I researched it and produced uh, a book that's gotten pretty good reviews, Mo 41, The Bombshell Before Roswell. It simply means Missouri, 1941, to uh, indicate six years before Roswell, New Mexico. 
it should have been a big bombshell story just before World War II broke out in America that this alien-type ship crashed in a farm field right outside of my hometown where my grandfather was a judge at the time, and my father was about five and a half years old. People were told to keep this quiet. This is a matter of national security. Didn't happen. You didn't see anything. Don't talk about it. And slowly uh, some clues leaked out, and it's an amazing story. Well, tell us about the story and also tell us, obviously, some of our listeners would be skeptical, what authority they could use to find this credible. Tell us the basic story. My stepmother told me that she heard it when she was in high school in the 1960s, well before the story became uh, more publicized around 1999, 2000, and the Art Bell Coast to Coast show. According to the granddaughter of a Christian minister in Cape Girardeau, that pastor was called out just after sundown, maybe you know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock in the evening, late April of 1941, and asked if he could go to an airplane crash that had been reported, a fireball explosion, and they felt it was not far from the Cape Girardeau airport. So he got in an unmarked car with uh, someone associated with the police department, and they drove about 12 or 13 miles outside of Cape Girardeau to a farm field where they saw the fuselage of a round ship, a circular gray spaceship cracked open with uh, metallic debris on the ground and a fire being put out by the Cape Girardeau uh, Fire Department. The police and sheriff's department were there, according to the minister, an FBI agent, and newspaper reporters were on the scene, uh, at least one or two anyway, taking big flash camera pictures of the event. According to the minister, he looked uh, over at the crash victims, and there were only three, and they were small, dead, gray alien bodies. Uh, one actually had just a tiny bit of life left in him, apparently. He was breathing very shallow. They were all stretched out on their backs in this farm field, and he did what he was asked to go and pray over the bodies for the souls of the victims of the crash. It's just that they were not human. They had big bulbous heads, big black eyes, maybe tiny little dots for nostrils or a tiny slit for a mouth. It was barely perceptible, apparently. And wrinkly, crinkly, silvery gray skin or a flight suit. The creatures obviously could not breathe our atmosphere and perished on the ground. The third one had died right in front of the minister as he was saying his prayers. And as he was doing this, he looked over and two local men were picking up and propping up for a photograph one of the dead aliens, as if to say, looky what we found, let's record this for posterity. A news photographer who kept a small brownie camera in his pocket pulled it out and took one snapshot of this propped up alien being held out with his arms outstretched. He had two arms, two legs, your typical gray as we think of it. Shortly thereafter, the Army or Army Air Corps came in and they arrived on the scene and hemmed it in and told everyone to put down that debris, and uh, you're not to speak of this. This never happened. They swore an oath that they were given not to talk about the matter, and the minister promptly broke it later that night when he went home to his family. He said, I'm going to tell you this story once, and I'm never going to speak of it again, and that's just what he did. Apparently, he did not tell anyone. He was quite shaken. They probably wondered, what happened? Where have you been? So he told them honestly and probably asked them to keep it quiet, and the minister's family did for about 40 more years or 45 
they finally uh, told this granddaughter everything. And she said she got a look at a copy of this photograph of the alien being propped up. And it was your typical creepy black-eyed insect-looking almost big-headed gray creature, maybe three and a half to four feet tall with rubbery arms and legs, almost like a a lifeless doll. They invited a friend over where they were uh, living at the time in Kansas, and the the man looked at the photograph and says, I know something about uh, photography, and I've got a friend into science and zoology. So he took the picture and never came back with it. Uh, They Mm. never saw or heard from this man again. So there went the proof. Uh, the photographer who took the picture, by the way, came by the minister's home in Cape Girardeau about two weeks after the crash and said, I have a copy of this. I want you to have a copy. So the minister took it and hid it away. And uh, only once a while at family parties did they get it out and whisper about it and put it away. And that's how the granddaughter saw this photograph uh, maybe close to a dozen times over the decades and uh, before it was or over the years, I should say, before it was taken away by uh, a man who had uh, a history of working for um, military intelligence, by the way. We'll do our break here. We've got Paul Smith, and we're talking about the possible UFO crash in 1941. More to come with Gene and our special guest co-host, Tim Swartz. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're like most Americans, you're pretty much in disbelief with what's going on in the world. As we all know, global problems are having local consequences. Too many of them. And if the peanut butter really hits the fan, are you ready? Grocery store supply chains are only as strong as their weakest link. Don't wait for them to break. Now's the time to secure emergency food for everyone in your family. My Patriot Supply is America's largest preparedness company. Our specially packaged and delicious food stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. It'll be there when you need it. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and pick up several emergency food kits. There are a dozen different sizes that average over 2,000 calories per day. Our food kits will ship quickly and discreetly to your door. Having food storage in your home beats government food lines hands down. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today and prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com 
Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Hey folks, Tom D. for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual, and this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. Seven million children suffer from asthma more than any other chronic disease. Most asthma attacks are caused by allergic reactions to allergens, including those left behind by cockroaches and mice. In fact, 82% of U.S. households contain mouse allergens, and cockroaches are found in up to 98% of urban homes. How can you protect your family? Find out at PestWorld.org. A message from the National Pest Management Association and the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Paul Blake Smith talking about this possible UFO crash dating back to 1941, six years before Roswell. And a little bit later, we'll be talking about another book of his, President Eisenhower's Close Encounters. And when I think of that book, I think of somebody we've had on the PowerCast years ago, Grant Cameron. Paul, is he someone you know? Uh, I've tried to reach him, but I have not made contact. But I do read his work. He's a very fine Canadian UFO researcher, and I respect him very much. All right, so let's go back to this 1941 case. We have the photo of this alleged alien. The photo was taken away by someone possibly from military intelligence. That sounds convenient, doesn't it? It sure does. Late in life, some researchers like Stanton Friedman found him in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, right outside, uh, what is that, Kirtland Air Force Base, like a mile or two from the base. He didn't want to talk about it. And then he would offer uh, some claim. And then uh, another UFO researcher talked to him, and he changed his story a little bit. They said they found him very slippery and evasive. And uh, not long after that, the man died. So they've never been able to produce this photo. If you see something like that online, you Google it. Uh, What you see is a recreation for a documentary on the Sci-Fi Channel around the year uh, 2002 or three from something called The Secret, Evidence That We're Not Alone. And they did a good job of recreating it, by the way, but no one has seen a copy of this photograph 
since apparently the early 50s. It was apparently the genuine article. What I want to know is this Cape Girardeau photographer said, I have a copy, I want you to have a copy. Well, where are his copies? If you're a photographer, he could have made a dozen of them and handed them out, but so far it has yet to surface. Or there could be at least a negative. And this, of course, is, is the kind of problem we have with a case like this, which is there's very little authority that it really happened. I mean, it sounds even less than the Aztec New Mexico UFO case, which is something I totally disbelieve. There's just no evidence that anything really happened there. And we even have testimony from one person who was a resident of Aztec New Mexico at the time when this thing allegedly happened. And he said there's no cultural memory. Nobody knows anything about it. And that's another story, too. Of course, 1941, finding people still alive is near impossible now, although obviously there are people who would be in their late 70s or 80s who were at least born or very young around that time. Has anyone else ever come forth with information about this? Yes and no. And there's a couple of cases where I spoke to people in Cape Girardeau and they said, oh, yeah, my grandparents used to talk about that in front of me when I was a kid. And I wish I had paid more attention. And that's not hard evidence, but it's it's kind of supportive hearsay. One woman I spoke to says, oh, yes, I lived on a farm not too far away. And I remember the adults talking excitedly about these little men from space who died in their spaceship. She said they didn't use the term UFO back then or even flying saucer. We just called them these little spacemen. She remembers when she was about 10 or 11, uh, this incident causing a bit of a stir. And so people did talk about it now and then. There was the grandson of a Cape Girardeau fireman who uh, said while my grandfather was ill, nearly on his deathbed with stage four cancer, he confessed that the story is true, that he was there fighting the fire for the Cape Girardeau Fire Department, and there was a cracked open circular spaceship and three dead alien bodies on the ground. In theory, all of these people could be lying, but it seems unlikely that they would do so. There was one other case of another minister from Ohio who was related to then-Secretary of State Cordell Hull. And he went to visit Cordell Hull in Washington, D.C., and Mr. Hull took him over to the Capitol building and said, I want you to see this, but first I'm going to swear you to secrecy. You're not to talk about it. Eventually, the minister did break that oath and tell his own daughters, who recalled it in interviews before they passed away. Uh, They were getting quite elderly, but they said their grandfather was taken downstairs at the Capitol to this special storeroom where he said, I saw a circular spaceship cut up into like pie-shaped segments and some metallic debris in a box and three dead aliens in three glass jars as if they were specimens swimming in uh, formaldehyde. A few years after I put that in one of my books and a gentleman called me out of the blue and said, my grandfather worked for the Roosevelt administration on my last day of school. I think it was in 41. He took me on the train that goes through the Capitol and under the uh, Capitol structure and stops outside the, the building. And we went inside the Capitol building and he had access and he took me down into these uh, underground storage rooms and we went into one. And sure enough, that's what I saw as a little boy. He'll never forget it on his last day of school. Three dead aliens in three glass jars said his father just said, oh, uh, I guess this is just a storeroom. And they shut it quickly and got out of there. And his father refused to speak about it ever again. Like his 
father had heard the rumor, decided to go check it out for himself and figured, oh my gosh, it is true. A lot of people back then took oaths seriously. You did what your government told you. You were uh, patriotic and he started talking about it. I'm sure some people thought, well, why are you speaking of these secret matters if you've been sworn? So that makes the case extra difficult to research. In the blurb about your book on your site, you mentioned another possible landing five years later. What's that about? Yeah, uh, this one's even sketchier in that a gentleman told me, like his uh, uncle said, that there was a peaceful landing of aliens that a crowd gathered in Cape Girardeau. This would have been either in the last year of the war or the year after. He wasn't even sure of the year. It was about a mile from uh, what we could estimate, basically, the airport crash area, which has never been definitely pinpointed, but that some aliens, small gray little creatures, came out of a craft and were walking around in a field, and then uh, the police were called in, and uh, supposedly, this is all an allegation, I have no shred of proof on this at all, that the police held a crowd back as they gathered to watch from a distance, and the cops said, just, you know, let them go about their business, They eventually did get back in their craft and took off at an astonishing rate. I don't know the significance of this. It's an interesting anecdote to pass along. I have no idea. I could not find any corroborating uh, claim of this. It didn't appear, apparently, in any newspaper. This is just another uh, piece of the puzzle that will probably always remain a mystery. Now, I know that when you mentioned Leonard Stringfield, one of his specialties later in life was to collect reports of possible crash retrievals. So this is obviously one example. Personally, what do you think, having written a book about it? Do you think there's some authority to it? I think so. I think when there's all this smoke, there's got to be some fire. There's a number of uh, documents, uh, put some in the book, that appear to be authentic. I'm not an expert. But Ryan S. Wood, another UFO researcher, has them on his MajesticDocuments.com website. And it talks about President Roosevelt making reference to non-terrestrial science and technology and these wonders that have come to us, these celestial devices that we now have, hoping to turn them into a super weapon of war. These memorandums got leaked, and who knows if they are authentic, but they certainly look to be. Paul Blake Smith talking about possible crashed UFO back in 1941. With Gene and Tim, you're in... The Pericast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective.
USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Biden warned Russian President Vladimir Putin on a phone call of swift and severe costs if Russia escalates tensions by invading Ukraine. According to the White House, Biden also said that a further Russian invasion of Ukraine would produce widespread human suffering and diminish Russia's standing. Russia continues military exercises on the border with Ukraine with almost 100,000 troops. Also, Secretary of State Antony Blinken spoke on the phone with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Officials are warning U.S. Embassy personnel to evacuate from the capital of Ukraine. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. We want to be crystal clear on this point. Any American in Ukraine should leave as soon as possible and in any event in the next 24 to 48 hours. This is USA Radio News. The Supreme Court has once again ruled against an attempt to block vaccine mandates. The nation's highest court rejecting a request from a group of New York City public school teachers who were hoping the court would block the city's vaccine mandate. Those teachers making the request after not receiving a religious exemption. Justice Sonia Sotomayor rejected that request with no explanation. But she also rejected an earlier challenge to the mandate. The appeal claiming the vaccine mandate violates religious freedom. And for USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes. The man accused of killing six people and injuring dozens more after driving his vehicle through a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, pleaded not guilty to his charges on Friday. An attorney for Daryl Brooks Jr., 39, entered the pleas on 77 charges, which include six counts of homicide. The attorneys also asked that the jury be sequestered for the duration of the trial. You're listening to USA Radio News. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Jacques Vallée, you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Whoa, okay. There are a lot of fake documents out there, and we can cover a lot of them. And that's very unfortunate because it just makes it more difficult to figure out what's going on if you can't even depend on whether the documents are real or not. So right now, as we sit here, what, 81 years after the event, is there any hope of getting any more information about it? 
if the government doesn't come forward with an admission yeah, that we are being visited and we had some incidences back in the 1940s, I don't know. I'd love to have someone send me a diary or a piece of debris they got. This Cape Girardeau fireman uh, who said uh, that it all did happen said he was caught by the military trying to pocket a piece of debris and they kicked him out of the crash site and that uh, around town in the days afterwards he felt he was being watched and that his phone was tapped. And so I looked it up and it said J. Edgar Hoover and President Roosevelt were very fond of tapping people's phones. They skirted around the law and did this to a number of people, including a young uh, congressman after the war named John F. Kennedy. There are just little bits and pieces that make it add up. I think the circumstantial evidence is fairly impressive that this could well have happened. There's a few sources on the old uh, online topics is the name of the forum. Uh, that came forward and said, we knew where the crash was. Uh, my grandparents owned the farm where the crash was. They were scared to talk. This man said, I flew back to Cape Girardeau to take a look around for myself. I found the farm. There was an elderly man still farming it. He had bought it from my grandparents. And he said he dug up uh, this strange metal from the soil that had strange imprints on it and symbols he couldn't recognize. And he couldn't cut it, this weird metal. The young man says, I asked the old farmer, what'd you do with this metal? He says, I hid it in my barn, and now he's moved it, and he won't tell me where it is. So again, it's like jello slipping through your fingers. You try to nail something to the wall, and it just escapes you in this case. Of course, in a situation like this, sitting on the wreckage of an alien craft with bodies in jars of possible extraterrestrials, after all these years, you think somebody somewhere would have spoken of it. That is even true of Roswell. We have the Roswell wreckage. And we understand in World War II, you would have kept things secret. People took the government seriously. But generation after generation after generation, how does it remain a secret? It's tough to say, especially after World War II, many people dispersed to all parts of the world. The Cape Girardeau uh, chief of police died in battle in World War II in the Pacific. A number of people were affected by the war or didn't come back. People's priorities changed and you were told to keep it quiet. There's a woman uh, who came forward in the early 90s who said she worked with Albert Einstein as a young intern, and she was a Miami college professor then and had uh, everything to lose and nothing to gain, and said that uh, she and I flew to uh, a desert southwest airbase and saw the wreckage that we probably would refer to as the Roswell crash, and she said she was harassed for a number of years, her house broken into, she had some evidence in her car, like some notes or uh, maybe a photograph or something. Her whole car was stolen. She said she was physically assaulted over the years. And that's the kind of story that gets around and makes people afraid to talk or afraid to leak anything. Now, how do you think, Paul? I'm curious. I mean, this was 1941, and the military arrived on scene fairly quickly. I mean, how do you think that they were clued into what was going on? I mean, it didn't have radar then, so it, right. it, it uh, wasn't a situation where they you know, could have uh, attracted. I mean, was there a military presence already in Cape Girardeau? We had a National Guard armory in town where Harry Truman once lived in Cape Girardeau in 1906 and trained. He was in Washington, D.C. at the time. But the key factor here is the Cape Girardeau County Sheriff, Reuben Shoddy, whose brother was in, uh, one of those in charge of a Army Air Corps training program 
in Sykeston, Missouri, about 35 miles to the south. So there are various clues that point to this uh, aerial program of military personnel arriving at the scene of the crash and hemming it in. A woman named Linda L. Wallace has done fine research in uh, investigating the rumors and clues that point to this uh, probably small but uh, important Army uh, Flying Corps training staff that uh, assembled and uh, did what they were told. The man in charge of it was uh, Charles Burton Root, and he came apparently straight from uh, Washington, D.C. to uh, Sykeston to uh, run that training camp. So he had some connections quite possibly, and he knew that uh, secrecy was of the utmost importance and probably just took a few phone calls, get some men in some Jeeps or uh, a truck and take them up the highway to Cape Girardeau. I realize that it is a little odd to have the military called in so quickly, but I think uh, phone calls were made and uh, the sheriff used his connections and was probably also in on keeping things hushed. Your patriotic duty. So do you think that at first, let me back up a little bit, you know, Townspeople who who remember this incident and then later would say that, you know, yeah, you know, crash of a spaceship, you know, little uh, uh, little spaceman inside. But, you know, do you think that or is there any indication that when this first happened that people had no clue what that they were dealing with? Because, I mean, face it, 1941, the idea of spacemen, I mean, there with the exception of, you know, like maybe Flash Gordon movies, there right. really wasn't a lot of popular culture dealing with uh, aliens. And, and, and spaceships, do you think that uh, there was a fear at first that this was some kind of like a foreign airship or something? You know, because uh, you had uh, the uh, problems going on in, in, in Europe and Asia already at that point. Right. Uh, I'm sure some people may have thought, were the Nazis responsible for this? Mm-hmm. And German people made up a great deal of the farm community in Cape Girardeau. So much so that there began to be an investigation by the FBI one month before the crash. It was even in the papers that I researched that the FBI opened a field office in Cape, and there really was an FBI official in town, and he could have gone directly to the crash, as the eyewitness claimed. So uh, they were worried, according to the article, about uh, espionage and sabotage in Cape Girardeau area factories that there were so many Germans, we even had a German church, which uh, they conducted services in German. And remember, we were nearly at war with Nazi Germany at that time. Everyone was very worried about that. So that was a factor in keeping everything quiet, a secret from any pro-Nazi Bundists and who might be spies and send the information back to Germany. But I think you hit upon a good point. It had to have been awfully traumatic for the people who walked up and saw those dead bodies and saw this... A circular disc in the soil of a Cape Girardeau farm community, a very simple uh, agricultural-based community. Uh, this could have really shocked some people into keeping their big mouths shut, uh, <laughs> maybe for the rest of their lives by that alone, then being sworn to secrecy and uh, figuring, uh, boy, I don't want the government on my back and I don't want aliens to come down after me either. Who knows what would have uh, happened next? Uh, As far as I know, no aliens really came back other than this uh, story we pointed out from around 1946. You know what I always wonder about when we talk about, say, this case, also Roswell? We think here, assuming everything is genuine as advertised there, that craft from another planet another 
in another star system comes here, maybe it's a scout ship, whatever, it crashes for whatever reason. You know, it was built by the lowest bidder and they, you know, bribed the government authorities. It crashes. It's not the only craft that this race of beings has. Just that one crashes. Why don't they come back and try to recover it? Do something in order to make sure that the primitive earthlings don't have a taste of their technology. That's That's something I've always wondered. It's a really interesting point, which we never get answered and we don't know what's going on. We do know that Paul Blake Smith is here on the Paracast and we're talking about the possible crash of a UFO with three dead bodies in 1941 and maybe a later episode with Tim and Gene. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack, focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline. 
airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 802-341-4535. That's 802-341-4535. I need some extra money. Do I qualify for the earned income tax credit? Use the EITC Assistant Tool. With just a little information, this tool helps you calculate eligibility with ease and accuracy. Get an estimate of how much credit you qualify for and get a printout of your results before you prepare your return or visit your tax preparer. To use the EITC Assistant Tool and see if you're eligible to claim a credit, visit irs.gov EITC. Jose works on a farm. Safety is important. His boss calls 811 to determine where it's okay to dig. This protects Jose from hitting an underground line and from serious injury. Because Jose can't tell exactly where or how deep the lines are, he doesn't dig until 811 tells him it's safe. The most important thing is that Jose works safe and goes home to his family. For more information, visit farmsafe811.org. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. So I raised the question why if these really involved E.T., why they didn't come back to see what was going on to recover their craft. I think, obviously, like an earthling, we're not talking about alien logic here, but I think if we had a situation here where one of our aircraft crashes even in another country, we're going to take steps to prevent foreign powers from getting our technology. So why wouldn't E.T. do it? Paul, what do you think? Well, we remembered Philip Corso, who came forward with his book, uh, which had some problems with it, the day after Roswell. Lots of problems, yes. Yeah. (laughs) He claimed that uh, the military scientists that he knew reasoned that based on the information that they recovered from the Roswell craft, these gray aliens are as if cloned in a laboratory, that they were not quite sentient beings with feelings like you and I, that they were kind of like robots or slaves or something, bionic robots, whatever you want to call it. And that could be the case in Cape Girardeau. They sound very similar in description. And if they were, you really wouldn't care if they're dead on the ground. Uh, I guess you would be spoiling a, a different race of people with this information and leaving the evidence behind, but you wouldn't have this great attachment to these identical three creatures or how many were recovered in Roswell six years later, that uh, they were not uh, highly thought of. So this might be a reason. And also, you don't want to come back and try to steal the wreckage back while all these people are gathered from the military, the FBI, the news photographers, local farmers, I assume doctors and nurses were called to the scene and a minister. If you tried to retrieve the craft, then you've got more eyewitnesses to an even bigger story. So apparently they didn't give a hoot and allowed the uh, federal government to uh, the military first and then the government to take control of these uh, items. And uh, they were promptly stashed away and probably thought, uh, what's next? What's going to happen after this? 
And so they just kind of laid low and hope uh, there were no invasions or sightings or crashes. And that's what happened into the 40s. And then we got involved in World War II. Now, the thing also, which I point out quite often, is if this represented technology hundreds or thousands of years ahead of us, it would be like going back to the 15th century and handing somebody an Apple Watch or an iPhone. (laughs) You could make that argument. It is very strange to have this possession, but I'm not sure if they were, the aliens were that far ahead of us. And also, maybe they thought this is for the best, that uh, let uh, Americans get a hold of this technology. Uh, Democracy and open uh, free expression was under fire and in a great deal of danger around the earth by the imperial Japanese military forces and by the Nazis in Europe. Let the Americans have an extra possible secret weapon, uh, or at least some sort of advantage. We just can't guess. We can only speculate what the aliens were thinking uh, when they discovered, and who knows when they discovered that the alien craft was crashed. Maybe they didn't find out until five years later, and that's why uh, a scout team went down and searched. (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense. They would certainly have some kind of communication back and forth. An elementary level. The other thing, of course, is obviously we can't determine what their motivations are. We don't know how well they understood our politics. It could be, as we suggested, I guess I have suggested there, the technology is so far beyond what those earthlings would discover. It wouldn't matter. To them, it would just be a black box. We would never, ever, or at least within our lifetimes, discover what this was all about in terms of technology. That's contrary, of course, to the suggestion from the late Corso in The Day After Roswell. But once again, I don't understand that book. I don't understand how a distinguished military man writes a book like that, saying things are just obviously sketchy. He told people, as I understand it, that it was his co-author, William Burns, that kind of cluttered it up with things that were not so, and they did not uh, edit it carefully enough and uh, proof it uh, for the facts. So I can't really speak much more to that. We, again, are presuming we know what aliens would react or uh, what they were like and how they would react. Uh, It reminds me of Star Trek. Remember, Captain Kirk would fly around to various planets and civilizations, and he's got a prime directive. Don't get involved. And he promptly breaks that in almost every episode and goes down to the surface and interacts. And and sometimes they just don't mind to to let people know that there are civilizations from other worlds, other beings. And they educate the people on that planet, and then they take off safely. I know it's just a silly TV show, but I think Gene Roddenberry may have had something there uh, based on his uh, fondness for science fiction and perhaps UFOs as well. Well, of course, in the movie Star Trek Into Darkness, the second film of the modern or Kelvin reality or version of the Star Trek canon, in the early part of the episode... Captain Kirk allows the Enterprise to be seen by primitive aliens, and as a result of which he's temporarily removed from command of the Enterprise because he violated the Prime Directive. Of course, with E.T., we don't know if they have a Prime Directive. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing earlier in the part of this program. Remember that Star Trek episode, and Kirk just says, oh, big deal, so what? So they saw us. You know, the Enterprise was down under the ocean and lifts up into the sky, and the natives all see it. 
It's an interesting thought that they wouldn't give a hoot. And but uh, you're correct in the movie. He's punished for this and demoted. So, uh, you know, it's it, on one hand, that's a very interesting point. On the other hand, it's just a Hollywood fictional movie. We but, can't you know, expect consistency or accuracy. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, uh, Gene and Paul, it, it just makes me think, though, that, I mean, if we're going into the you know extraterrestrial hypothesis on this and you're dealing with uh, sentient beings that are coming to us from, you know, God knows where, but they're able to travel vast, you know, light distances to, to, to get here, uh, they probably would not even look at people, look at the human race as more than than just ants. So it doesn't matter if, you know, they, they crash their spaceships all over the place. You know, their attitude, it would be like us if we crash a, a, crash a plane in the jungles and uh, chimps run all over it. You know, like, so what? They're, you know, they're, they're chimps. And uh, it makes me wonder if that's the attitude, you know, that uh, that we would be dealing with. That's a good point. Um, I'll just add quickly, there's another reference in some uh, alleged government documents from 1947, uh, the Nathan F. Twining White Hot Report, when she was sent by President Truman to New Mexico to investigate this crash outside of Roswell. And uh, by September, he had a report typed up, and it said uh, in the report that's been leaked, whether it's valid or not, it said... The recoveries from the desert floor were deemed extraterrestrial in nature when compared to the discovery in Missouri in 1941. Hmm. So there's that reference, and there's a second reference in those documents. And so anyone can type up documents, let's face it, if you've got an old-fashioned typewriter. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of technical jargon and lingo and military terms in these documents and they certainly look as though they could be authentic, and that could be another piece of the puzzle, that uh, Roswell may well have been genuine, and they compared it to the Cape Girardeau story, our first American UFO crash. Hmm. Where do we go from here? After all these years, is there any hope, frankly, Paul Blake Smith, that will ever get any more solid information or is it just now a relic of history? Unless, of course, we know where this alleged wreckage is being stored. People see online this alleged alien that we call Skinny Bob, and supposedly this was hacked by from some sort of government file and placed on YouTube anonymously uh, 10 years ago. Uh, if you go there, you see this big bulbous-headed alien with uh, big black eyes. Uh, the alien's head is large, his body is thin and uh, uh, very creepy looking overall. He looks authentic, but you never know. It could be a Hollywood production. But it's grainy, authentic looking uh, black and white film footage. So this might be another example of that they're here and maybe in contact over the years. And uh, they don't mind being known to certain governments at certain points. I don't know. It's uh, It's all intriguing, but the point is... Government files might be hacked or leaked by someone in government. Uh, I don't know much about that process, but you never know who might uh, purposely leak some papers or some uh, photographic images of documents. And uh, we'll have another round of uh, is this real or not to keep ufolo uh, ufologists uh, and people in the public uh, intrigued in the years to come. The government talks about possible disclosure, but uh, we haven't seen too much of that, have we? 
We uh, definitely haven't, but we do see this break coming along. I see it in the distance. Paul, Gene, and Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Paul Smith joining us this week on the Paracast, talking about the possible ramifications, beginning with a UFO crash back in 1941 in Missouri. Fascinating tale. True or not, we don't know. Will somebody broadcast the truth? Will anybody even be alive at this point, unless they're very old, to tell a tale of what might have happened? Certainly there's no possible evidence now of anything that happened then. Think about it. Leave something to look at. Do you at all, Paul, favor any other possible crashes? We have Roswell, of course, with different opinions. We have this one. Any others that you might be interested in? Uh, a crash, not too much. I'm interested more in the research on uh, Dwight Eisenhower, who in the early 40s was a very obscure colonel, I think, at Washington State. I don't think he had anything to do with the Cape Girardeau incident, and he might have known of the uh, Roswell incident, whether it was a weather balloon or not. 
since he had become uh, a top-notch, very famous, beloved general, thanks to his war leadership in Europe in the mid-40s. As far as the uh, Eisenhower case goes, that was more about uh, a landing and actual face-to-face contact. So UFO crashes, I guess not. I was just uh, curious real quick before we get away from the uh, Cape Girardeau. Uh, do you know, had there been uh, any uh, previous reports of UFOs or strange aircraft in the Cape Girardeau area, either prior or, or just after the crash? Because I know that well, it was about six months later, you had the whole L.A. incident. Right. Uh, Linda L. Wallace did some fine research in southeast Missouri. That's where Cape Cape Girardeau is, my hometown on the banks of the Mississippi River. There were a number of people that came forward and so they said that they saw daylight disks or orbs or lights in the sky at night. I talked to a few people who said they saw uh, something as of like 10 years ago flying over the farm areas that would have been uh, very near the crash site. One was like a glowing orb of light that was headed uh, away from their farm. She said, we sat on the front porch and watched this weird thing uh, headed towards the Cape Girardeau airport. It was just a ball of light, nothing around to support it, very quiet. And I've heard a few other of these stories. I've never seen a UFO myself. I should make that uh, clear. I have no uh, particular sighting uh, to pass along. So when people see these things in the 40s, I think they have real credence. When they see it now, well, what about drones and unmanned aircraft and helicopters and blimps and airplanes and honest mistaken identities that uh, they claim uh, could be a UFO or could be um, man-made? We just don't know. And then some people whip out their cell phone. We got plenty of uh, images of that. But again, you can use Photoshop or some sort of uh, high-tech program to uh, hoax something, but many of them seem to have uh, groups of people standing around pointing at the sky like, oh, look at that, and amongst great excitement. And you see plenty of these uh, images showing up on the Travel Channel in particular. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Okay, now you've got a rough idea of where this crash uh, occurred. Do you know exactly where it happened? And I mean, besides the uh, the incident where he said that the guy said his family used to own yeah. the farm. Uh, but uh, I, has anybody has anybody ever tried to go, go out to this location with metal detectors and you know uh, try to pe- find something? People have come to me and asked, uh, where's the farm site? I want to use a metal detector. And I don't have the exact pinpoint, but I've got a pretty fair idea. But this is all someone's private property and their business. It's a farm. They don't want a bunch of strangers showing up day and night, I'm sure, with shovels or camping out or leaving their waste behind. Uh, There's no fencing around this sort of thing. And what's worse, when you go looking, as I've done a little, there's quite a supply of rattlesnakes and copperheads and other creatures out there in the dark or under rocks and crevices that feed on squirrels, chipmunks, groundhogs, moles, and things that chew on crops. So it's pretty dangerous. One person said, you better have some pretty thick boots if you're going to be walking around here, buddy. I did not, and that's another reason why I think I'll leave it to someone else to... uh, come up with a site, and uh, I don't want to get sued also. If someone uh, says, this is my farm and you've disrupted our way of life, I'll see you in court, buddy. Well, I don't want to pinpoint that. I don't want to be in trouble. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, down around in in that area, too, when you say farm, I mean, you're not just talking about a couple of acres. You're talking about miles 
right. of land. <laughs> it's scary what people could do. You start busloads of tourists from all over the world and people driving onto your land, showing up, knocking on your door, show us the aliens, man, where's that spaceship a day and night? And you can't fence it and you can't protect it. So it would be a nightmare for the property owners today. That's when you get a couple of bulls and put them out in the field. Yeah, or bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I work too. <laughs> in Roswell, you have the advantage of a big open desert where people probably go, and I've seen some stories on like History Channel and uh, Travel Channel, where they go and they search around with metal detectors and uh, maybe even more than shovels, uh, high-tech machinery. You just can't do that without attracting a lot of attention and trouble if you tried that in a farm field in Cape Girardeau. To summarize here, because I want to get into the presidential UFO stuff and maybe get a hint of this next book that you're working on, and that is, where can we take a case like this right now? It's just anecdotal. We have no real evidence except what people remember from what they might have seen and whom they've talked to, that kind of thing. It's a frustrating dead end. There is no UFO museum or T-shirts you can buy or... uh site that you can be taken to and shown this is where it happened in Cape Girardeau. There's a number of people like, huh, what, what crash? But most people that I talked to said, yeah, I heard a little something about that somewhere from my parents, grandparents, or they saw something on television or in a newspaper referencing Cape Girardeau. But it's just come to a halt because uh, no one seems to produce any uh, diary notebook, a photograph, or a piece of the debris they smuggled out, or this elderly farmer and his bag of unbendable, uncuttable uh, metal shards. So uh, we're at a standstill. The case is kind of ground down to a halt till uh, somebody leaks something. Well, at least it's a fascinating tale, and we all look forward to seeing if there's anything else about it. Let's now get into something more political. I don't mean liberal, conservative, that kind of thing. I mean, we mentioned Grant Cameron earlier because he has looked into what presidents might have known about UFOs. And you've got this book called President Eisenhower's Close Encounters. Let me ask you there, where did you get the idea to write this book? And why do you think there's something significant to it? Well, when I first heard the story back in the 1980s, it was talked about because it came out in a National Enquirer article that was picked up by some newspapers in North America. I thought, oh, come on, the president didn't meet with aliens. This is just exploitation. But a key part of the article mentioned a test pilot who had come forward. He wanted to do so anonymously so he could keep his pension and his health care. And he said, uh, I was one of six men at this meeting, and the story is true. Eisenhower did uh, go to Edwards Air Force Base late one night, and he met with these landed human-like aliens, and they spoke in English, knew about our culture, and they knew about our atomic test program, testing bombs, setting them off in our atmosphere, in the ground, and in the ocean, and they were aghast at what we were doing to planet Earth. This pilot claimed that uh, he was brought in for his technical expertise and that the aliens put on a a friendly air show right there in front of Eisenhower. And he wanted this story out before the test pilot said, I pass away because I happen to know everyone from that meeting is now dead. So there's that. Uh, It's tough to, again, research and pin down. There are some documents I can talk about in a little bit. But Eisenhower really was, according to his presidential schedule, 
out in Palm Springs. He flew 2,700 miles away from Washington just to play some golf, we're supposed to believe. There's a couple of gaps in his schedule where he could well have gone to Edwards Air Force Base and had this not recorded in his uh, daily diary, his uh, schedule of events. If it really was of an extraterrestrial nature, you're not going to print that up or allow your secretary to do so. And so uh, the story is feasible from that standpoint. Let us break here. We've got more to come with Paul, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at TeamG'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at TeamG'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. TeamG'day.com. TeamG'day.com. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. 
Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nanocolloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Exploring the providence of theories about what presidents might have known about UFOs, particularly President Eisenhower, By the way, we forget President Eisenhower was a Republican and was responsible for shepherding the interstate highway system, which they say now is liberal. Such confusing times. (laughs) Paul, go on, please. There's uh, two researchers. One you mentioned, Grant Cameron, who's looked into this a little bit because he just loves stories of presidents and UFOs. And there's another one, Dr. Michael Sala, and he dug up some stories, including a man uh, who told his wife that he worked at the Pentagon and saw images and some top secret files of Eisenhower meeting with human-like aliens at an airbase. According to the test pilot, they looked uh, very much like us, only uh, slightly different, slightly misshapen. I call them our cousins who maybe arrive for a little private family reunion And I've seen lately on the Internet stories of scientists now, today, cosmologists and people who study uh, the known galaxies and uh, hypothesize in uh, biophysics that there are probably human races evolving on other planets. And that's basically what was reported coming down to meet Eisenhower in, in February 19th, 1954, that they were just slightly different, maybe different set, far set eyes or different skin tone, maybe slightly larger uh, chests or lungs for breathing their home planet atmosphere, and that uh, they were very friendly and felt that it was safe for Eisenhower to come out and meet them, and he did. And then after the meeting, according to the test pilot, Eisenhower swore everyone to secrecy, and they held that for uh, like 30 years almost. That's the claim, and that's a big chunk of the story we have to hope that it's true. I know uh, Timothy Green Beckley looked into it and even flew to London, England, and talked to Lord Clancarty, who uh, was aware of the story and, and wrote about it himself. There's uh, another factor involved with some documents that were leaked in 2017 that were briefing documents for the new president, George H.W. Bush, in January of 1989. And in it, it mentions Eisenhower did meet with some friendly aliens and came to an agreement to uh, basically uh, keep their uh, visits here secret. There are bits and pieces and clues to this story all over the map, and I collected them in my book. 
and I'm glad it's gotten a positive response. It's now on out on audio from Tantor.com, and I'm talking to a Travel Channel producer, and my agent is, and we'll see if we can get this more on the big screen as we go forward into 2022. One of the interesting aspects of this story is that when Eisenhower, and this is well documented, I mean, you know, you can go and uh, uh, look up the newspapers, you know, at the time that Eisenhower uh, disappeared for a number of hours and uh, couldn't be uh, located. And then uh, later, I guess, uh, uh, his press liaison said that he had a toothache and had to get emergency dental work, which was the explanation for his mysterious disappearance. That's right. Uh, for many years, this story has gone around, and it might be the night he disappeared, but I feel pretty strongly it was the night before that, Friday night, the 19th. He took off from this smoke tree ranch in Palm Springs, supposedly on a dental emergency. Well, I spoke to someone from Palm Springs who said they had a friend who was at that dinner that night with Eisenhower, and he was chewing on a duck leg. And he bit into some buckshot or grape shot. Metal bits is still in the meat. And he said, what kind of a sportsman uses grape shot? Now I've damaged one of my teeth and it really hurts. So they immediately called a dentist. And the dentist didn't believe the call. He said, oh, yeah, right. The president needs me. And he hung up and went back to what he was doing. And they kept calling. And they finally got this guy roused up that they were serious According to the eyewitness that uh, President Eisenhower really did have a damaged tooth and went to the dentist who finally got his act together, put his clothes on, went over to his office and treated him that night. So uh, it's possible that was the cover story, but I really think it was the night before. President Eisenhower just needed the cover of darkness. On Friday night, the 19th, there was a big party for the media in a hotel in Palm Springs. And this was set up by a good friend of Eisenhower, who was his co-host at the ranch. And I think this was a deliberate plan to give Eisenhower the cover to sneak out at night without the media following him around. Keep the reporters uh, intoxicated and happy at this hotel. And uh, Eisenhower, I think, pulled it off successfully. Now, we have to understand here, we're talking about the 1950s. These days, I don't see how that could possibly happen. But back then, we didn't have the widespread media we do today. We didn't have the cell phone cameras. We didn't have anything like that. So at least that raises a possibility of authenticity, if nothing else. Right. And there's a reporter, Christopher, I forget his last name. Uh, he works in Italy, in Rome, Italy. Said he had a source in the Vatican who said Eisenhower really did go meet with aliens, that there's actual film footage of this. Some of it's in black and white. Some of it is in color. Uh, the Vatican source says we were informed of this by uh, a source who was the West Coast archbishop at the time in America when he found out about all of this. The archbishop actually visited Edwards Air Base for himself. He flew all the way to Rome, Italy, to speak to the Pope about it. It's a pretty wild-sounding story again, but uh, allegedly there's film footage. I've heard this in another uh, source that some of the footage uh, ends abruptly because the aliens' uh, ship technology clashed with the uh, newsreel camera and broke it during the uh, footage being captured. This has never surfaced. It was filmed this way for a modern independent film by Christopher Munch called The 11th Green. Recently came out in the last couple of years. I recommend that. It's gotten some good reviews. I had nothing to do with this movie, just by coincidence. 
It involves an actor pretending to be President Eisenhower in his retirement, thinking back to this time where he met aliens at night and pulled off this secret meeting without the press finding out, and that film cameras were there recording it. So there's that to consider. How did Eisenhower know that this was going to happen? Have there been any stories that have surfaced that, uh, you know, what happened before this that directed everybody to this meeting? That's a very good question. I think it was prearranged. Supposedly, the rumors are, and they're pretty sketchy, I'll admit, on this aspect of the story, that the military was involved in some secret high-frequency radio communication and did make contact with aliens and went back and forth with their messages and felt that these guys appear to be quite friendly. They're asking for a meeting with Eisenhower, and this went on in the first year or so of the Eisenhower administration. He was inaugurated in January 53, and by February 54, they felt it was a go, that they could trust these creatures, these visitors, uh, highly intelligent, through uh, possibly high-frequency radio waves and binary code, set up this meeting place. It was late at night uh, on a runway near an open airplane hangar at Edwards, and that uh, President Eisenhower uh, had cameras there ready to record this incident. Possibly, in case anything went wrong, then he would have footage to show people that this is what happened. But uh, uh, the story was reported by Frank Edwards, a mutual broadcasting system reporter, uh, like a month or two later. Shortly after that, he was fired from his job. He was a very famous broadcaster at the time, and he apparently did pass along the, these stories going around that Eisenhower met with some friendly beings. Paul, Jean, and Tim, you're in the Pentecost. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. GCN's policy is open forum avoiding censorship. Defense costs for words spoken outside of our control supersede the ability to deliver voices to this important talk platform. The First Amendment is the foundation of our core values. Castle culture is silencing voices regardless of perspective. Freedom to speak is in the balance. Support the legitimacy of speech itself. Consider donating to SaveGCN.com. That's SaveGCN.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Biden warned Russian President Vladimir Putin on a phone call of swift and severe costs if Russia escalates tensions by invading Ukraine. According to the White House, Biden also said that a further Russian invasion of Ukraine would produce widespread human suffering and diminish Russia's standing. Russia continues military exercises on the border with Ukraine with almost 100,000 troops. Also, Secretary of State Antony Blinken spoke on the phone with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Officials are warning U.S. Embassy personnel to evacuate from the capital of Ukraine. 
National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. We want to be crystal clear on this point. Any American in Ukraine should leave as soon as possible and in any event in the next 24 to 48 hours. This is USA Radio News. The Supreme Court has once again ruled against an attempt to block vaccine mandates. The nation's highest court rejecting a request from a group of New York City public school teachers who were hoping the court would block the city's vaccine mandate. Those teachers making the request after not receiving a religious exemption. Justice Sonia Sotomayor rejected that request with no explanation, but she also rejected an earlier challenge to the mandate. The appeal claiming the vaccine mandate violates religious freedom. And for USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes. The man accused of killing six people and injuring dozens more after driving his vehicle through a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, pleaded not guilty to his charges on Friday. An attorney for Daryl Brooks Jr., 39, entered the pleas on 77 charges, which include six counts of homicide. The attorneys also asked that the jury be sequestered for the duration of the trial. You're listening to USA Radio News. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. You mentioned Frank Edwards, Paul Blake Smith. Now, I remember Frank Edwards because I was once placed in an audience when Frank Edwards was a guest on a TV show, and I had to ask a question. Then after the show ended, I started a conversation with him. I think we even exchanged letters, not emails, physical letters. He died soon thereafter, so I didn't get a chance to know him very well. But he had such books out as Flying Saucer Serious Business. Frank Edwards. Uh, that's very cool that you got to meet him. I think he died suddenly, like at a UFO convention or something, in 1967. Does that sound right? It's possible. Now you know how old I am here. But, <laughs> well, let me Sorry, just take I, a look. I, I, As we're talking about anything. Frank Edwards, of course, they've got several different Frank Edwards here, so I have to get the real one here. Frank Edwards, writer and broadcaster. He died June 23rd, the day before the UFO anniversary in 1967. That means he died one day before the 20th anniversary of the modern UFO era. How strange. Yeah. I don't know if that was a natural death or not. I guess we'll never know. 
But apparently he did hear the rumors and the stories and uh, may well have spoken of it on the air about Eisenhower. And another source wrote about it in Valor magazine in October of 54. It came out that Eisenhower visited the airbase. I know the story in, in general, a president came out and met with aliens. There's probably a lot of immediate skepticism by people. And so that kept the story also from being uh, embraced and uh, expanded or developed, that people are, are maybe cynical What's wrong with meeting uh, friendly human-like beings and then keeping it uh, hushed up? There was a couple other sources. I put them in my book. There's another source, another UFO author named Art Campbell, who said he felt it happened and that Eisenhower returned to another meeting in New Mexico at an airbase. I think it was Holloman at that time and may well have had another contact. And so uh, I went to contact Art Campbell and he had passed away, too. Uh, just dumb luck. It's a shame that you know, this happened so frustratingly long ago, Cape Girardeau in the 40s, Eisenhower in the 50s, that so much time has passed. People were sworn to secrecy and have then been passed away. Their children are passed away. And so, so many uh, possible leads have died out, and it makes it tough to get any kind of corroboration or proof. It's uh, enticing and exciting. But as I put in my book, that may not have been the first UFO sighting by Eisenhower, there was a source who wrote in the New York uh, newspaper in 1997 that he was with Eisenhower, and they saw a circular craft at that time. Which New York newspaper? I'm trying to think. It's not the most reputable if it was the Post. I think it may have been the Post. Well, the Post and the Daily News are yeah. the less reputable members yeah. of the press, uh, especially the Post. That was a man who said he was in the service aboard the USS Franklin Roosevelt, off the coast of France in uh, early 1952, and there was a big storm going on, and the ship was probably rocking a little bit, even though it was an enormous ship. It had nuclear weapons on board. It was a highly prized American warship. Eisenhower was a, a retired general at the time, but Truman called him out to do an inspection of American bases and troops in Europe. They were worried about communist infiltration at that time. So uh, it does hang together that Eisenhower was there inspecting things. Eisenhower came up on deck in the middle of the night. He couldn't sleep, asked for a cup of coffee. And while we were standing around talking to him on the helm of the ship, they looked out the window and here's this circular craft. It hung for at least 10 or 15 minutes, I think he said. It was not a brief sighting at all. And they were all amazed, of course. And they stood there uh, probably slack-jawed, staring at this silver saucer. And then it took off abruptly into the sky. Eisenhower said, well, I'll look into this man. Keep it under your hats for now. And the man said, we never heard back from Eisenhower. So that's one man's claim. It seems like it's at least possible this happened. I don't know of any corroborating evidence on this one either. Now, we assume here, I recall Eisenhower has a library of his papers. But we wouldn't expect that anything of this nature would be stored there. Right. We can't be that naive. They would be certainly labeled top secret or above top secret, as some people say, or cosmic top secret. You wouldn't allow this for the public or even historians to flip through. So that makes things even tougher. Uh, I've been to the Eisenhower Library uh, and the, his family home in Abilene, Kansas. Nice place. But uh, I was uh, young at the time and I wasn't flipping through their files. But again, would they really put this information there for anyone to find? 
Yes, we understand. By the way, let's just go back a little bit before we explore the implications of this. What got you interested in chasing after flying saucers? I think everyone questions at one point in their life, why am I here? Are we alone in the universe? Are we being visited? Are any of these UFO sightings valid? Can we take any of this seriously? As I grew older in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, it slowly became more mainstream, more common. And this amazing story from my hometown, I've always been intrigued by this Eisenhower tale. And in a story about it back from 1982, it mentioned Dr. J. Allen Hynek was also interested and quite aware of the story. He was one of the advisors to Steven Spielberg, who created the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And as uh, we know, and maybe your listeners do, that was all about friendly alien landing at a Western Air Force base, uh, at a desert base out in the American uh, Southwest, I think it was. There was an exchange of people and aliens And it had almost everything in it, including Air Force officials, except Eisenhower. So it makes you wonder if Hynek told Spielberg the story, and he left out Eisenhower on purpose for security reasons, but somewhat told the tale. You know, what's interesting about Hynek, when they were making the movie, and this comes from the person who wrote a biography of Hynek, they didn't just contact him out of the blue. He heard about the movie, Dr. Hynek, and contacted them, And I guess provide some technical advice. He had, of course, this very short cameo towards the end of the film, all of which he received a grand total of $3,500 for his efforts in a movie that made hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars. This is Hollywood for you. One thing about Dr. Hynek, towards the end of his life, he was leaning towards, shall we say, something beyond extraterrestrial as a possible origin point of UFOs, something almost four-dimensional or more. It's something he told me at the time. I should have pursued it more. I also should have had a copy of the cassette of the interview I did with Dr. Hynek because it would have been great to have been able to run that thing on the show. This is back in the 1970s, I think 1975. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I kind of wonder whether Hynek would have known much about the Eisenhower thing. It's not something he ever talked about. Of course, it may be there was security involved. But I certainly think because of the fact that he took on a positive UFO attitude in the wake of the swamp gas debacle in (laughs) Michigan back in the 60s, that he would have hinted at something, and he didn't. Dr. Hynek was part of Project Blue Book and found out it was mostly a whitewash, that they investigated stories that could be more easily explained, and some of the juicier ones that uh, could not be explained, they were not allowed to explore, so he quit. And he began uh, his own private research, and uh, uh, he, the article in 82 said Dr. Hynek said he was aware of the Eisenhower story and wanted to know more. Uh, Spielberg spoke to him that doesn't mean they necessarily connected on the Eisenhower story but seems rather suspicious Spielberg created his screenplay working with uh, Jacques Vallée who's still with us 
We have Paul and Gene and Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Is your IRS tax problem ruining your life? Hi, I'm Ronnie Deutsch. Don't be another IRS victim and please don't give up hope. Call me today and let's do something about it. If you have tax problems, call Ronnie Lynn Deutsch, a professional tax corporation at 800-515-4541. That's 800-515-4541 for your free and confidential tax analysis. That's 800-515-4541 for your free tax guide. Call Ronnie Deutsch's law firm and speak with them. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. No matter if supply lines are down, product deliveries are slow, and that most everything costs more these days. You still have neck and shoulder pain, right? Good news. Sunny Bay has new products that target neck and shoulder pain. Products that are in stock now, ready to ship anywhere now. Like our extra long neck heating pads. They provide soothing relief to painful sore necks and backs. You can heat them in a microwave oven, and they come in a variety of colors and patterns. And for stress relief, get our lavender-scented hands-free neck wraps. Or maybe you need one of our smaller lower back wraps. Great for seniors. Again, there's no shipping delays from Sunny Bay. Find our new products on Amazon, Walmart, Etsy, and sunny-bay.com. Just search for Sunny Bay Neck Wraps. All our products are great for men or women, are reusable, and easy to clean. Remember, just search for Sunny Bay Neck Wraps. Order now because stock is high and shipping is fast from Sunny Bay. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day, but supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? 92 
$1,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800 503 8625 800 503 8625 This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast, The Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio. By the way, our special guest, Paul Blake Smith, will be hanging out for the After the Paracast podcast with extra discussions as part of the Paracast Plus subscription package. Let us continue here. So we're talking about the communications with Steven Spielberg, about Jacques Vallée, and of course the character in Close Encounters played by the famous French director was loosely based on Jacques Vallée. Right. Francois Truffaut, the famous French director, seemed Correct. to kind of portray uh, Jacques Vallée. Except for the difference being that Jacques Vallée was fluent in English. Yes, he is. Uh, I've done a, a podcast with him uh, last summer. He's got an interesting story from 1945 during the war in New Mexico, but that's for another show. Uh, he can we had him on to talk about that book that he, oh, good. he did with Paula Harris. The episode was broadcast with our guest co-host, Kurt Collins. And I want to have Dr. Vallée back on to talk about it. That case, though, is really a source of skepticism. I know that, for example, Kevin D. Randall, who has studied Roswell for 30 years, doesn't believe a word of it. That is interesting. So is the evidence he talks about. But I don't know too much about the 45 case. I do know that um, Spielberg has almost like an obsession, nearly lifelong, and he's made alien-themed movies. I talked to a friend who knows a friend of Spielberg, and I said, do you think he'd like to do the Eisenhower story uh, in a full-length motion picture? And they went to him, and he said, Stephen says that he is out of the UFO business. He's kind of moved on from that. He'd rather do other types of movies. So a swing and a miss there. Uh, and certainly uh, in extra, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, there's this famous uh, story that he took the movie to the White House and showed it to Ronald and Nancy Reagan and some astronauts and some cabinet members. And when it was over, uh, the rumor was that President Reagan said, well, you don't know how true this is. And Spielberg refused to uh, comment on that for many years. But a couple of years ago, he finally broke down and admitted that the story is true, that Reagan did say, you don't know how right this is, E.T. the extraterrestrial, so that uh, it's another clue if, if Mr. Spielberg is telling the truth. And that uh, he said Reagan seemed pretty serious at the time, that we have presidents who know that we are being visited, they're briefed, 
And uh, it's a case of, well, we just have to go about our business, you know. Let's go back to President Truman, Eisenhower's predecessor. What do you think he knew about UFOs? I think he probably knew about Cape Girardeau in the, in the days or weeks afterwards. He was the Grand Master Freemason for the state of Missouri and lived in Cape Girardeau in 1906. He had constituents and friends there. He would campaign in Cape Girardeau over the years. And so by the uh, time he became president, he was probably aware that we are being visited. But the Roswell business, if it is indeed valid, reinforced that. And he wanted it investigated, researched, but quietly, top secret stuff. And one of his top men was his army chief of staff, Dwight Eisenhower. And so uh, the two of them probably knew quite a bit from intelligence files and never discussed it with the public, maybe only with a, a handful of aides or just a couple of trusted military advisors. But Truman went on camera in the summer of 52, and you can see this on YouTube, the video still exists, and he says, oh, we've always had flying saucers and whatnot, and we've discussed this with the military at every conference we have. Really, if UFOs are just silly business, they don't exist, flying saucers are not real, why are you discussing it with your top military people at every conference? This is the commander-in-chief saying this on camera. So I think that tells you another clue that it was behind the scenes being taken very seriously. I don't think there's doubt that they were taking it seriously. Its question is, what did they know? And they would have known a lot more if Roswell was what it seemed to be, and certainly this particular case was what it seemed to be. They would have known a lot more. But that brings me to another issue here, which is more modern. So we have the current UFO interest, and we'll get into that later on, the fact that the Pentagon is, once again, appears to be taking it seriously. It's in the 2022 military authorization to set up yet another group to look into the matter. And there are quotes from two former CIA directors, Woolsey and Brennan, both saying they'd like to have more information about it. And you have to think, wait a minute, folks, head of the CIA, access to all the top secret information they want. President Obama, access to anything he wants. Just say, give me that information because I'm president. I can declassify it if I want to. And he wants to know more about it. Why are these people, government officials, supposedly with the need to know, not in a position to know? Well, they didn't say they don't know anything. They just said, we'd like more information. So I think it's more Pentagon or military control, people who run the Air Force in particular. And I don't think they're very cooperative. Their names don't show up on uh, files of uh, information released or some of these radar images or pilot uh, footage of uh, Tic Tacs and such. The Air Force, I don't think, is really wanting anything out. The CIA director, you, as you point out, has a, a lot of information at his disposal, how curious he is and what he's allowed to look at by Department of Homeland Security and by the chief executive and his cabinet. I don't know. All I know is that uh, Clinton, Bush and Obama go on talk shows like Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert 
and they won't give you a straight answer. They just make a joke. They pass it along uh, by, uh, well, I could tell you, but I'll have to kill you. Ha, ha, ha. And uh, that's a matter of national security. I think Obama said that one time. So by not giving you a straight answer, do we have a straight answer? Well, again, it comes back to what evidence they may possess. What bothers me, for example, about the current Pentagon investigations, and by the way, listeners, we're going to have this week Ralph Blumenthal, the former New York Times Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, to talk about the story, of course, that he worked on with Leslie Kane and Helene Cooper on the Pentagon studies about why they ignored all the evidence of past cases, like everything started with the Tic Tac UFO encounters. But that's going to be on next week's episode. Also, Ralph wrote a book on the life of Dr. John Mack, the Harvard psychiatrist who investigated abductions. Let's get back to our guest, Paul Blake Smith. We're immersed in the conversation about his book, President Eisenhower's Close Encounters, and the ramifications thereof that... President Eisenhower met E.T. Talk to them? What? Hmm. What did they know? What they wanted, what the motive for the aliens was, they were aghast at our atomic bomb detonations that were sending radiation into the atmosphere. And I think they asked Eisenhower to please stop this, that they cared about planet Earth. That, according to, I think, the test pilot who was there, and I think that would be a decent enough motive to uh, to venture forward and to land and not uh, get shot at or killed by a, a panicky uh, Air Force officer or uh, uh, someone looking to make a name for himself to step forward from the air- airship and meet with Air Force officials in a friendly manner uh, and to ask uh, almost to the point of take us to your leader or have him taken to us. So uh, Eisenhower spoke to him and apparently said, I'm not going to disarm unilaterally. I want to see other nations stop testing and stop developing weapons. I have a nation to defend. And he asked them, please don't show yourselves openly. Don't land like this. We can't have this. It would be a shock for our people, and it might cause a panic. So he reached some sort of agreement on that February 19th of 54 that the aliens would remain kind of at arm's length and visit here only uh, in like rural settings and tried to be discreet so that they would not upset our social order. This is what has been alleged, and it seems reasonably believable to me. What about subsequent presidents? Uh, I searched for this uh, alleged agreement, this treaty that Eisenhower may have uh, written up and signed with the aliens at some point. And I uh, looked it up, and on my Google search engine, it said 10-year agreement. And I'm thinking, well, where did that come from? And I couldn't find anything more. So I looked up, and on the 10th anniversary, exactly, Lyndon Johnson flew 2,700 miles to Palm Springs, met with Eisenhower, a few gaps in his schedule not recorded, and they had some private talks in in, uh, Eisenhower's home, and something was odd going on. There were two Air Force Ones at the airport reported. Uh, the news people at the time. We've so, got more uh, to come with yeah. Paul, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, Lyndon Johnson makes this trip to find out more. Is that what you think? To find out more, it would be natural, and especially if there was a treaty to be either discussed or approved for another year or 10 years, or to abandon it, Eisenhower would have been the man you go to. And on the exact anniversary, 10 years later, how about that? They just happened to show up, uh, the Johnson and his people, and he meets in private with uh, Eisenhower. Uh, it seems awfully suspicious. And five years later, uh, in uh, 68, I think it was, four years later, uh, Johnson also flew out at the same, around the same exact time, mid-February of uh, 68, I think it was, and met with Eisenhower in private there, too. It's tough to say that this is just a coincidence. John but the logic of it is, yeah. if you had a 10-year treaty with E.T., you wouldn't wait to the last second to renegotiate. If you have a way of contacting E.T., you do it six months earlier. Why right. don't you do it at the last minute on the very day that the agreement is due to expire? Why and why limit it to 10 yeah. years? Why couldn't Johnson uh, phone Eisenhower? Why did he have to fly all the way across the country 
and talk to them in person. Uh, they could exchange letters. They could have aides handle this, any sort of issue. But it had to be face-to-face, and uh, that's something substantial. But it does make you question um, why he would have gone there. Linda Moulton Howe interviewed a scientist, uh, Dr. Edward Moraine, who said there was ET contact at Edwards Air Force Base in 64. That's the year uh, Johnson went to meet with Eisenhower. That doesn't mean LBJ met an alien, but maybe he was curious, too. It's interesting to note that also John F. Kennedy flew all the way across the country and met with Eisenhower at his Palm Beach or Palm Springs home on a golf course. And they, too, posed for pictures and then went inside and refused to discuss what they were talking about. So uh, Kennedy met with Eisenhower three times in Palm Springs. And when they could have met at the White House or at uh, Camp David, which they did meet one time or talk over the phone, I don't know what was so important. They just had to meet face-to-face in somewhat hushed conditions, but it seems fairly reasonably uh, suspicious. Maybe, but then there are legitimate reasons for a president of the United States to visit one of his predecessors. Covering a lot of issues, a host of issues, are on their plates, and they could visit Eisenhower for any one of these reasons, which we can all guess just based on the newspapers of the time. It doesn't have to relate to the presence of E.T. It could also have related to the Vietnam War, which was going on and was kind of a mess. And Eisenhower was a military authority. So that could have been part of things, certainly. Uh, we don't see a whole lot of consulting between Democrats and Republicans, presidents and such today. Certainly, Trump did not uh, consult with any of his predecessors, and uh, President Biden has not consulted that we know of with uh, ex-President Trump. So uh, it was somewhat remarkable. There's a difference. Trump is an outlier. We know that there has been friendship and discussions between Obama and Biden and George W. Bush and Clinton because they all are apparently friendly towards one another, so there's no reason they don't talk to one another. Trump, like I say, is an outlier. Uh, What goes on behind the scenes that we don't know is also another mysterious factor. We find out uh, years later that maybe presidents met or spoke over the phone or exchanged ideas. Uh, And we, uh, for instance, Lyndon Johnson's phone calls were recorded and not released for like 35, 40 years. And you find out he was calling people all over the country and he spoke to uh, uh, former president or current president Nixon. And uh, after he got out of office. And so uh, there is a kind of connection between commanders in chief that have a, a kind of an exclusive club there, don't they? Well, we also know, although obviously he didn't live long enough. That JFK and Richard Nixon, although they were rivals in the 1960 election, were privately very close friends. They uh, certainly were in Congress. I think things may have come to a bitter end when they competed against each other. Uh, JFK flew to uh, South Florida and met with Mr. Nixon after the election at a hotel in Key Biscayne. And I think that was the last they saw of each other, that they didn't have any contact uh, Uh, through the rest of the uh, Kennedy administration. Didn't have enough time, did they? That's right. Yeah. Okay, so we have this this alleged episode, the possible meeting with E.T. And the question, of course, I would have is, 
Does each care about different countries? If they met with President Eisenhower, would they have met with the leadership of the USSR, with the leadership of France, with the leadership of UK, the Prime Minister, the Queen, with Japan? Would they have restricted that kind of contact to one country? That's a very good question. I really can't answer that. A lot of those countries, Russia, China, uh, etc., were pretty closed very secretive societies back then. We don't have much information. There is this story uh, from spring of 54, that year again, that uh, a gardener saw this circular spaceship on the grounds of Lord Mountbatten uh, in the countryside of England, and they, uh, the uh, government authorities questioned this man, and they found him to be apparently telling the truth uh, about what he claimed to have seen, and unfortunately, Lord Mountbatten died in a terrorist attack in the, in the 1970s, but he was apparently pretty close to Prince Philip. And there are a number of stories that say Prince Philip was very keen on UFO tales. He uh, had some books in a private library. He enjoyed reading that sort of thing. That doesn't prove anything, but it does seem a rather odd uh, detail to come out, uh, I think, even before his death. Tim? Well, it... Uh... I just, I have to wonder, possibly with the exception of, you know, the the, the early presidents in the uh, uh, so-called modern UFO era, uh, Truman, Eisenhower, maybe even Kennedy, uh, after that, just how many would actually be privy to that kind of information? I mean, you know, possibly... To the extent that, uh, yeah, you know, there there are UFOs, but uh, you better not say anything about it, and that's that's all they know. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody always, you know, it's kind of like everyone always thinks that everybody in the Air Force knows all the secrets about UFOs, and I just have to wonder whether or not, you know, the 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 more current crop of of presidents, you know, especially after uh, uh, Kennedy. Uh, really have been brought into that secret, if there is a secret. Yeah. Uh, there's a, an old Air Force uh, officer, I think he's passed away now, named Bill Holden, who said he was uh, uh, like a steward afore, aboard Air Force One, and he had uh, been aboard with JFK and asked President Kennedy about this article he saw in a newspaper about flying saucers. And he asked the president, and he said JFK responded, I'd love to tell the American people more on this story, but my hands are tied. So I don't why know would his yeah, hands would be tied? Hands? Why would yeah. his hands be tied? Yeah, why would his, and who would be tying them? Uh, I don't know. Other than JFK may have some secrets he didn't want to come out, and uh, he may have wanted to speak on this issue, but some of his philandering perhaps would have been brought up as like, you're going to keep quiet. We don't want to release any information on you or this topic. That's just speculation. But it does make you wonder, or is it the CIA director or his Pentagon officers, his uh, Army chief of staff, who would be tying his hands if the story is true? And you'd think then when Johnson took over, wouldn't he have access to the same information? Uh, quite possibly, either as a vice president, he was not really close to JFK. They marginalized him. But at some point, if you are going to be president, you're going to be briefed on the subject. Uh, Linda Moulton Howe has a, a source that said uh, Ronald Reagan was taken to Camp David 
after he asked a number of questions on UFOs. He may have seen one in 74. We'll have more about that. What did Reagan know with Paul, Gene, and Tim? You're in. Yeah, the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, I'm Al Aberroa, founder of Ninth Strategic Wealth. Inflation is picking up, markets are volatile, and the dream of a comfortable retirement is harder to attain than ever before. Nobody wants to run out of money in retirement. That's why I'm going to share something that your financial advisor doesn't want you to know. With our investment strategy, when the stock market goes up, you earn a market-linked return that locks in every year. And when the stock market goes down, your investments won't lose a dime. There are no unnecessary fees, and it works for your investments, money at a brokerage firm, or even money at a bank. It's simple, it's safe, and that's why savvy investors work with us. Want to learn more? Text free to 833-898-0500 and we'll send our retirement readiness kit directly to your phone right now. If you want to help build a retirement portfolio that will go up with the market and never lose money, get our retirement readiness kit today and see how this strategy can help secure your future. Text free to 833-898-0500. Text free to 833-898-0500. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. February is Heart Month. Every year for the month of February, to show our appreciation to Extendivite's faithful customers, we have a sale. If you would like to try Extendivite, now is the time to get a few months ahead and really give Extendivite the time to show you how it works. Most of Extendivite's long-term customers wait for this sale to stock up. People and doctors tell us about the unbelievable improvements that they have experienced in their overall health, not just the heart. Extendivite wants you to experience the power of these herbs. Get a four-month supply for only $115 for either the capsules or tincture. Please take advantage of this once-per-year sale and get healthy for life. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com or find us on Amazon. Extend your life with Extendovite. 
Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. He's getting closer, ladies and gentlemen, to the porky pig imitation. Okay, Tim Swartz. Paul, okay, let's continue with this thing here. Reagan made this curious statement about what, the next war being a war in space? Right. When he was reelected safely to a second term, he started making these speeches or comments to the NATO assembly uh, about talking about an, uh, an alien force and are they not already among us? And according to Patty Reagan, his daughter, her father was uh, privately quite interested in UFOs, according to Reagan's pilot. Uh, they had a sighting together aboard a small private airplane near Bakersfield, California, in uh, mid-1974, and that uh, they saw this uh, disc or saucer-shaped craft following along, tailing their air- airplane, uh, and then it took off, and that Reagan was most uh, excited about this, but they asked him, you know, his wife, I think, in particular, let's not talk about this. People might think you're a little crazy. Some people think it's too kooky. So he kept asking questions as president to staff members. Linda Moulton Howe has a source who said Reagan went to Camp David and he was briefed on this uh, and given a a synopsis or a summary of uh, what we know. And that Reagan said during this that President Nixon talked to him privately around 1970, I think it was, that uh, we were being visited and that uh, he had a little piece of proof of this. Let's understand here, we are taking as accurate what Linda Moulton Howe says. And there are some reasons to suggest that some of the things she points to are sketchy. But let's just say we're taking somebody's word for it. Right. She hasn't been on the show for us to analyze. We've tried to get her on the show, and she has ducked out, as they say. Uh, So we can't examine that. But, again, it's a secondary source we don't know. I mean, it's possible. Lots of things. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's putting it lightly. It's like she was told by a source who knew uh, of Reagan's being brief. So it's pretty sketchy, I'll admit. Yeah, so, I mean, we were talking about someone who knew someone who knew someone. Right. Exactly. And anybody can say anything. And knowing that Linda Moulton Howe is deeply interested in these subjects, they could convey the information to her, legitimate or not. And you also right. have to wonder here, amongst all these things whether we have some in the military who are feeding disinformation to get us to chase lost causes. And I think of that, for example, we have Rick Doty. You know who Rick Doty is, right? Uh, Unfortunately, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. He was a good guest, though, by the way. We had him on the PowerCast, and he was friendly, gracious, answered questions. His answers were pretty wacky sometimes. But we have him. We have William Moore who was one of the first Roswell authors. He wrote the book 
with Charles Berlitz and with the largely uncredited help of Stanton Friedman. And he confessed to a MUFON gathering that he had done some disinfo work for Air Force Special Intelligence. And he is blamed or credited with being all or partly responsible for the MJ-12 documents. I've heard that. I've heard uh, Mr. Doty uh, say that he was also part of Air Force uh, plans to spread some disinformation to keep secrets and to mislead people, and that he, in the more recent years, in the past decade, he wants to come clean and tell everything honestly. So I can believe that he was a very interesting guest. He did have some wild tales, so that taints their credibility for some people. If you've told a few lies as part of your job, and now you're no longer employed there, can you tell tales out of school believably? Uh, It's a question for each individual to ask themselves. By the way, Rick Doty was a guest on the Paracast on March 18th, 2018. So if you want to figure out what he's up to, at least you can hear what he has to say. I don't say you should necessarily take it seriously. And then, of course, we have William Moore, who's been out of the action for many years, what he had to say and the things he may have done to, shall we say, move the Roswell story along but not necessarily in a way that's completely accurate. So that gets back to a really tough question here, and we'll get into this other book you're working on regarding Jackie Gleason and Nixon, and that is, is it possible some of these stories about what Eisenhower may have done, it's all just a bunch of hooey invented by someone who wants to spread government-related disinformation? I suppose if you took everything that I collected, you could be cynical about each source because it's so long ago and some of it is hearsay. But there's so many different little clues that uh, point to this, including uh, I bet you're familiar with Gerald Light, metaphysical researcher who typed up this letter from early April of 54. And he said, I was allowed to go to Edwards Air Force Base. And while there, I heard President Eisenhower did visit the base during his Palm Springs vacation, and he met with extraterrestrials. This is what I heard, he says, and that's just another piece of the puzzle. But anyone can type a letter claiming uh, this or that. The person he heard say this was that person, somebody who'd be believed. Right. He said he was talking to Air Force officials at Edwards Air Force Base. So and what would they tell him? Yeah, uh, good question. He was a metaphysical or paranormal researcher. They may have been asking for his opinion on some sort of extraterrestrial matter without feeding him too much information. I don't know. He could be making it up, but it was kind of a private letter that did not leak for decades. So um, once again, you could look at each source with a, a jaundiced eye and say, well, there's a possible reason for being misled or purposely misleading others or being told by someone who innocently has the information either very wrong or slightly wrong. That's the case in almost every UFO story that's ever been discussed or printed or books about, that a lot of it is hearsay or rumor or uh, secondhand, but people do the best they can to piece it together because we're not told the absolute 100% unadulterated truth that the government does keep secrets. They kept plenty of secrets over the decades. Okay, so looking at this here, we see we're going to go into what Nixon might have known as the vice president for President Eisenhower and being president himself until he was thrown out in so many words. 
we have President Ford. President Ford, of course, as a member of the House of Representatives, was head of the committee that instituted an investigation to UFOs that resulted in the Condon Report. So we know Ford was interested. What, if anything, did he do about UFOs when he became the accidental president? Nothing too above board that I know of. He was the one who wanted that Michigan UFO wave investigated, and that J. Allen Hynek went up there, and the, the very creative and remarkably stupid swamp gas excuse was put forward, and even Hynek was so disgusted. I think at that point he quit, at least uh, somewhat uh, thereafter. And I don't know if Ford was ever satisfied with that answer. And if he was ever briefed, what is known about him uh, is probably very sketchy and short because his term as president was a little sketchy and short. Uh, We got Paul uh, Blake Smith. His book is President Eisenhower's Close Encounter, covering the presidential interest. And we'll get into the next book, the sequel book. We've got Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. America's top diplomat with a again this warning for Russia. If Moscow chooses the path of aggression and further invades Ukraine, the response from the United States and our allies will be swift. It will be united. It will be severe. But Secretary of State Antony Blinken saying late Saturday that Russia still has that option available to choose diplomacy. That a diplomatic path to resolving this crisis, a crisis created by the unprovoked massing of Russian forces all around Ukraine, that diplomatic path remains open. The skies over SoFi Stadium near L.A. under very close watch today because of the Super Bowl. The FAA says pilots flying small planes entering a temporary flight restriction area could face fines of over 30 grand and possible criminal charges as well. And you're listening to USA Radio News. The Winter Games in Beijing were delayed a bit yesterday because of some heavy snow there. Germany and Norway leading the medal count so far at the Winter Olympics. Norway racking up the most medals total so far with 18. Germany and Norway are tied for the most gold medals with 8 each. USA, Sweden, the Netherlands, they're tied for second place when it comes to golds with 5 each. 
It seems right after the Ukraine crisis, the next thing on the list of concerns in America lately is inflation, which is at the highest rate in 40 years. Texas Republican Rep. Lance Gooden says the White House strategy is simply not working. I know the future will be bleak as long as the only solution the Democrats have is to continue uh, spending more money. And all these spending packages that we have talked about, the Build Back Better, these are things that will increase inflation and just further delay our recovery. The congressman spoke on Fox News, and you're listening to USA Radio News. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Alien Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Reagan, of course, we understand his interest. Then we go to George H.W. Bush, who was once head of the CIA. Now, we would think he'd have a lot of knowledge of what's going on. What, if anything, do you think he knew? I think he probably knew some things as CIA director and plenty more as president, and he was quite accustomed to keeping his mouth shut for reasons of national security. When he got old and kind of a little crotchety, he was brought out in his, I think, in his wheelchair to a, a rally for his son, Jeb Bush, when he was running for president. And uh, a man in the audience stood up and asked Mr. Bush, what about uh, UFOs? And he snapped, I know plenty about this, and I'm, I'm not talking. It's like national security. And they said the big gathering was kind of shut down, and the president was hustled off one way, and the guy who asked the question uh, was hustled off another way. So if uh, that story is accurate, it gives us another clue that um, Mr. Bush did get briefings, that he did, did know some things, and that it's kind of a top secret, and he's not going to discuss it. And he took that to his grave. And now President Clinton had an interest in UFOs. We know that Hillary Clinton had an interest when she was running for president. In 2016, she confessed that interest, and of course, in a telltale fashion, mentioned them as UAPs, not UFOs. We don't call them UFOs anymore. We call them UAPs. And of course, the person who was a high muckety-muck in the Clinton administration, John Podesta, wrote the foreword to Leslie Kane's UFO book. So we see Clinton was close to UFOs, but then nothing happened. Podesta wanted more information, and, you know, he's working with Bill Clinton, the president of the United States, but that doesn't mean the president has to share anything with this guy. And he talked to Hillary, Podesta did, and they talked about 
uh, digging into the matter. And Hillary even said during her campaign, if I'm president, I'm going to you know, get into this matter and see what I can reveal to the American public to investigate it. And she did not win. And so we're kind of at a stalemate ever since. A reporter, I think Fox News asked, it was aired on Fox News, but it was a interview by President Trump's son who asked him, what about Roswell? And Trump said, that's a very interesting case. I've read some interesting things on that. We'll have to look into that more or something like that. And so, of course, nothing happened there. What was interesting, happened, though, what either. was interesting, though, about Hillary Clinton's statements positive about UFOs and the interest, she goes on these shows and no one ever had a comment from Trump. I mean, Trump went after Hillary Clinton for the emails, which we know now after all the stuff that he took to Mar-a-Lago when he left office, what's going on with taking private documents out of the White House and all that. But Hillary Clinton says she's interested in UFOs. Donald Trump says crazy Hillary should be locked up. Never said anything, not a word that I recall about her interest in UFOs. He could have used that as ammunition against her, I would think. But strangely, he didn't. That's quite true. He didn't deny Roswell when his son brought it up on camera. He said, it's very interesting. Uh, We're going to have to look into that. You know, he could have said, oh, it's just a bunch of nonsense. Uh, They showed me a breathing and and it was a weather balloon or something. So it's, again, noncommittal, a bit fuzzy. And I'm disappointed President Biden doesn't seem to have any interest about talking about it whatsoever. I'm not sure if a reporter's ever stood up and asked him directly, but he doesn't volunteer anything, does he? Well, of course, he was very close with President Obama, who is interested in the subject. He was Obama's vice president, having been on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee for many years. Biden, being a creature of Washington with security clearances, would know stuff already. But as you say, no one's asked him. And would he tell us the truth if he's been sworn to secrecy or taken uh, national security steps for classifying things and not leaking or revealing, especially while in office? So uh, would he tell us if he did know uh, freely? Probably not. He wouldn't be the kind of person, I think, who would tell. I think he would be someone to obey the edict for security. He'd be more likely to keep it secret than Obama. Right. Don't rock the boat with the military and uh, intelligence agencies. If you expect their cooperation during your presidency, if they want these things kept uh, clamped down, then I think you will go along with that. Well, President Carter, you know, he promised when he was running for president that uh, due to uh, a UFO sighting that he had that he would look into it and maybe uh, reveal something. But that was the last you ever heard of it. Right. He promised during the campaign, I know UFOs are real because I've seen one. Now, he saw an unidentified flying object. He didn't say he saw an extraterrestrial, but he said he would look into it as president. He even filed a formal report describing what he saw, which uh, some people think was October of 69. And I think Kevin Randall said he looked it up. And it's possible, uh, very possible that Carter had the wrong date, that it was from January of 69 when he was in Leary, Georgia, with some, uh, I think, Elks Club members, and that they saw it outside a a restaurant, this object that turned different colors and moved along in the sky. Very interesting, and it wasn't a planet or something. So that when he took office, 
He did very little about it, and when questioned about this, he just says, well, uh, NASA wouldn't tell me anything, or I don't know what it is that I saw, and he just doesn't want to talk at all about this subject. Isn't that interesting? They say, we're going to learn more about UFOs. They get into office, and suddenly the mouth is closed. Right. You almost think, of course, that what happens when the president takes over and you have somebody walks in there with a military uniform and a suitcase or a dark suit and a suitcase. And he says, OK, Mr. President, these are things you need to know. I'm making it up, folks, by the way. Don't assume I have knowledge here. These are things you need to know about certain issues that it's not proper to talk about. And if he says, I'm president, I can talk about it. And the person could say, yeah, but just think about JFK. A chilling thought there, but supposedly the government says a lone nut woke up one morning and decided to shoot him, and that's all there was to it. And if so, why are these documents, so many of them, still being kept secret from the American public? And why is there not a single witness from Dealey Plaza who reported the shooting the way the government says it happened later? So, uh, yeah, you could bring that up, whether there was a conspiracy or not to rattle a president today and say, yeah, look what JFK was asking about and what happened to him. That's another story which is very interesting. I don't want to get into the Kennedy assassination. It's been covered to death, and I don't know if there's anything new. Is there anything new that we can talk to about that episode? <laughs> Other than uh, what we've a, heard yeah, from... I wrote a book called JFK and the Willard Hotel Plot with all the nonfiction clues that seem to point to Oswald was seen outside a hotel in Washington, D.C. just a couple days before an open car motorcade of October 1st of 63. And other clues that seem to indicate that there could have been a plot there. And when it failed, he moved back to Texas. And that's what we got. But again, we're being stonewalled by our own government who says, oh, there's nothing to it. Then go ahead and release unredacted all the documents and investigations and files, everyone from that day is dead. That was a long time ago. All our sources and methods for intelligence, you can't uh, use that as an excuse anymore. Open the files. Yes, I remember that a certain number of files were released by Trump, who promised to release all of it. And then for some reason, he doesn't release all of it. But we go back to the time back in the 60s, where I was attending lectures from Mark Lane. Do you remember who Mark Lane is? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> he wrote the book Rush to Judgment. And he was lecturing about this. Now, his stock and trade was the rifle couldn't have been used to perform this shooting because it was such a bad rifle with a telescopic sight that was out of alignment or something like that. And I think the obvious thing is, well, maybe the sample that Oswald owned Work just fine. And by the way, we got one more thing to say about that, then we'll get into the President Nixon issues. So we have Paul and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. 
With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day, but supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. I represent low-cost airlines, and we know a lot of you are not traveling right now, and we understand. However, if you do need to travel between now and the end of the year, now is a great time to lock in some of the lowest prices we've seen in a lifetime. Hey, in normal times, we can save you up to 75%, but now airlines are practically giving away seats. We have inside deals on over 500 airlines. Here are a few sample round-trip deals we found. Seattle to Vegas, $35. Chicago to Atlanta. $85. Los Angeles to Atlanta, 100 bucks. Of course, there are some limitations, but the airlines want your business right now. And cancellation and change fees are flexible. So fly somewhere this year, book now, save a ton, call right now. 802-341-4535. 802-341-4535. 802-341-4535. That's 802-341-4535. This is Jennifer Stein, executive producer of The Disclosure Dialogues. You're listening to The Paracast, 
the gold standard of paranormal radio. The issue being Mark Lane claimed that that rifle couldn't have made those shots, but other people who used a rifle like it were able to duplicate the shots. And remember, even if the odds are against it, it only has to happen one time for the sequence of shots to work. I'm going to ask you one more question since you've studied the Kennedy assassination. Does the name Fred Lee Chrisman ring a bell? Yes, a UFO figure from what, Washington State? He wrote letters back in the 40s to Ray Palmer, editor of Amazing Stories during the days of the Shaver mystery. He was one of the figures involved in the Maury Island case. He later did a conservative talk show. And Jim Garrison, when he was investigating the JFK assassination, one of the people he was looking into for some knowledge was Fred Lee Chrisman. Yep. Didn't he have ties to... um That fellow Bannister who may have been uh, associated with Oswald in New Orleans, Guy Bannister, former FBI man. What a strange time there. Yeah, it sure was. It's a strange story all around. Very confusing and and complex and yet uh, fascinating. Let me ask you quickly here, because we're going to end this before we go to the After the Paracast, where I really want to delve deeply into the Nixon-Gleason encounter, the book that you're working on. And that is with... The Kennedy assassination, we assume Oswald did some of it. Possibly he was the shooter, just as they say. But there certainly seems to be more involved the convenient shooting by Jack Ruby, the convenient episode of Jack Ruby killing Oswald, the convenient episode of Ruby never revealing his truth, whatever it was supposed to be. All this stuff happening shows that there was a larger conspiracy involved. We can't say that... Oswald was innocent, but who else was involved? That's true. I certainly think Oswald was involved. He was no innocent patsy, but I think he was the one that was thrown over by the other shooters. He may not have even known who they were, but to make sure what he knew of the plot was not unraveled. Ruby was assigned by uh, mafia members to get in there. He had access to the Dallas jail, and he did what he had to do to silence Oswald. There was a flamboyant TV talk show host named Mort Downey Jr. You remember him? Yes. He said he interviewed Dr. Arthur Oxner of the New Orleans Cancer Institute, and Oxner told him, I diagnosed Jack Ruby with cancer, terminal cancer, in the summer of 63. Therefore, if that is true, Ruby knew he was going to die anyway. He was the perfect choice to get in there and shoot Oswald. And what did Ruby do afterwards? He died of cancer in jail. Right, but he never talked. He could have talked. He knows he's going to die. He could have said, here's my truth. Well, he did talk on camera. There's this video clip in a courtroom where Ruby's sitting there flanked by lawyers on either side. He says, there is a plot. Some people question his mental sanity. I don't know. But he seemed to strongly indicate that this powerful people were involved and uh, wanted Kennedy out of the way. But like you said, that's kind of a, off our topic and the subject of another show. Right. Of course, in murder plots, we look at law and order and think, who is the person most to benefit from the death right. of JFK? And why did this happen in Dallas, Texas, where that particular fellow hung out? But how can you say that Lyndon Johnson killed Kennedy? 
Ruby seemed to indicate he felt Lyndon Johnson was behind it without saying that directly. It's a little sketchy. Gee, you think there's been a few books written about the Kennedy assassination? There have been some that really uh, do a good circumstantial evidence case that Johnson knew about it and wished it done, according to E. Howard Hunt. Johnson not only wanted it done, he urged them to get on with it and get it done. He knew he was going to be dumped from the ticket. There's that. Uh, e. Howard Hunt was very ill on his deathbed, and he spilled some secrets. He also said that one of the government secrets he was aware of is that we are being visited by extraterrestrials. Briefly, because we'll cover more of this in After the Paracast. Richard Nixon, Jackie Gleason, what's the connection? February 19th, there's that day again, 1973. Yes, Jackie that's Batman's birthday, by the way. The <laughs> legendary birthday of Batman in the comics. One of those birth dates is February 19th. Uh, it's also right. my son's birthday, but that's another uh, story. Jackie Go ahead, please. Jackie had a birthday coming up shortly thereafter, and he had everything in the world. Money, fame, fortune, his own mansion and limos and everything. And he kept badgering Nixon, uh, what do you know about extraterrestrials? I want to know. He was privately obsessed with the story. According to Jackie's wife, uh, Nixon took him out to an Air Force base south of Miami, Homestead Air Force Base, and showed him the bodies of small, four dead extraterrestrial beings with kind of pointy ears. Jackie came home late that night and confessed uh, that he had been to the base with Nixon and saw this and that he was just ashen, shaken, that if he was putting on an act, it was a bravura performance, that he couldn't eat or sleep or drink for days and didn't work in, in movies for like a year. He was so shook up from this, excited at times that he was shown this, and also upset that the government that had possession of the materials refused to acknowledge that we are being visited. Now, Jackie Gleason was, among show business people, very interested in UFOs. Oh, absolutely. I heard him on the Long John Neville radio show, right. where he was a very smart, skeptical interviewer. Long John would have this panel of people. They would be his henchmen. So if he wanted to go after a guest, he could do it very well himself, but then he'd have his panelists do it. I've gone to the uh, Long John Neville website. There are recordings of this. The, the audio is really crummy. But you can hear Jackie, like you say, skeptical, asking questions uh, and making comments that he did not believe some of these stories from the 50s of there are people who claim to have gone for rides in spaceships with friendly aliens. And I would be skeptical of that as well. But Jackie was obsessed. He listened to this program nearly every night. A couple of times he got into a limo and was driven to the radio station and sat in and was part of the broadcast or he would call in. And he just wanted to know about all things extraterrestrial. And he built himself a kind of UFO house, this circular house 40 miles outside of New York City, glass walls, so uh, he could use his telescopes to look out at the sky. And it was perched somewhat on the edge of a bluff, so he could feel like he was like riding in a spaceship. It's hard to believe that this house is still there to this day, and you can see photos of it online. He has the ability to buy anything he wants and he chooses to have a big collection of UFO stuff and a house built like that. Of course, Jack Webb, who created Dragnet and the modern police procedural drama, was also very, very interested in UFOs and very much a, a believer in UFOs. Hey, Paul yes, Blake Smith, for those of our listeners who want to get 
more of the information about the things that you're working on, where do they check you out? You can go to uh, my website, www.mo41.info, or you can, better yet, go to my Facebook page or uh, my special one on Eisenhower's Close Encounters or one on the uh, Cape Girardeau's 1941 UFO crash, America's First is the name of it. And uh, you can leave information there or read what uh, I've got on uh, the Cape crash or the Eisenhower tale intermingled with uh, more contemporary stories of uh, E.T. visits and uh, people's comments. If you have real serious, valid information to pass along, I would be willing to read it and listen. I am a somewhat skeptical, cynical person myself. Believe it or not, I come from a cynical family. So I appreciate uh, you having me on the show, and you can go visit me at those sites. He'll be back with more information about Eisenhower, Nixon, and Gleason coming up on After the Powercast. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Powercast. Look for the Powercast on Facebook. Help us figure out why they won't let us put the actual Powercast.com UFO, the Powercast.com, on Facebook. Strange. Check out the Paracast.shop for branded merchandise, the t-shirts and all that good stuff. Four logos to choose from the Paracast.shop. We also have the Paracast Plus at the Paracast.plus for more info. We offer this show free of the network ads, the special uncensored after the Paracast podcast. Well, Paul will rejoin us. For more information, go to the Paracast.shop. Plus, the Paracast.plus special offer. Use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, to get a 20% discount on five-year or lifetime subscriptions at the Paracast.plus. Paul Blakesmith, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thanks for having me on. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>